What is up, you beautiful, auspicious, high vibrational beings? It is I, Shanoon Ocean, aka Wolfie, aka Shannon, and I am back with another truly incredible episode for you guys. This week's guest is Laura Dawn, host of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. And let me tell you, I'm not joking when I say that this podcast is medicine on God. If you open your heart, if you open up your heart space and you are receptive, this podcast will be medicine in so many different ways for you, just as it is for me. I was listening to this over again, just editing it, getting everything in line, and and I was in my Aztec Indian clay face mask, and it was cracking because I was crying. I was tearing up again. I also teared up during the podcast because Laura Dawn's message is so powerful and so profound and so fucking potent. I'm truly, truly left speechless. I am left hopeful. I am left with newfound understanding and a sense of grace and a sense of I was meant to have this conversation with this powerful, highly spiritual human being. Lord Don's incredible. And um, as I as I was watching the beautiful crescent moon sinking deeply into the sky, the part of our conversation where the chicken started laying her egg, you guys will hear it, came on. And it was just so synchronistic because the chicken's in the background laying her egg and she's going through it. The poor thing's goddamn howling. You know, what are chickens supposed to do? Like crow? What are they supposed to do? She was she was not doing the regular chicken noises. She was fucking going through it, laying that egg. And I know it sounds funny, but it's crazy because like, I had this realization because it was during this part where Laura D is really going in on resilience and that chicken was fucking being resilient and and resilience is not an easy thing to cultivate and you don't build up resilience with intentions of using it for the easy times. Some parts of life aren't easy. As a matter of fact, some parts of life can feel like challenge after challenge after challenge. And that's why becoming a resilient individual through whatever modalities, tips, tricks, practices, and the integration of those into your being is so important. And uh, that's something that you'll hear Laura Dawn get into. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just let you guys hear the fire that Laura Dawn was spitting. Truly incredible. But before I do, I have a pretty exciting announcement. And that is that while I'm in the midst of acquiring all necessary certifications, I am offering personalized meditation coordination programs. Yes. So if that sounds interesting at all to you, if it tickled your pickle, if it fancied your pantsies, if your soul 
was like, yes, please, fucking finally, something, then please don't hesitate to reach out. My Instagram is lilwolfie.xo. That's Lil Wolfie, not Wolfie with a Y, Wolfie. I'm going to just link it below. Uh, But yeah, you can contact me there. I'll also leave my email below. Reach out if it sounds interesting to you. Uh, One of the things that I've felt for a while is medicine that I am meant to share with the universe put out into the field, into the ether, is helping people cultivate uh, a meditation practice. A lot of people don't meditate or say they can't meditate or uh, just could be going a lot deeper with their practice and I want to help. I think it was the Buddha who said, and I'm paraphrasing, enlightenment is not attainable without meditation. And that's on period. I don't know where I would be today without my meditation practice. Uh, And the deeper it gets, the deeper it gets. It's truly beautiful and profound. uh, And so, yeah, that's something that I'm doing. A couple other things in the works, but, you know, in due time, in due time. So... Without further ado, I present to you microdosing mentor, speaker, transformational coach, and host of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, Live Free Laura D. In this week's episode of The One and the Only Wolf Portal. up you beautiful auspicious high vibrational beings it is i shanoon ocean aka wolfie aka shannon and i am back with another truly incredible episode for you guys this week's guest is laura dawn host of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. And let me tell you, I'm not joking when I say that this podcast is medicine on God. If you open your heart, if you open up your heart space and you are receptive, this podcast will be medicine in so many different ways for you, just as it is for me. I was listening to this over again, just editing it, getting everything in line. And and I was in my Aztec Indian clay face mask and it was cracking because I was crying. I was tearing up again. I also teared up during the podcast because Laura Dawn's message is so powerful and so profound and so fucking potent. I'm truly, truly left speechless. I am left hopeful. I am left with newfound understanding and a sense of grace and a sense of I was meant to have this conversation with this powerful, highly spiritual human being. Lord Don's incredible. And um, as I 
as I was watching the beautiful crescent moon sinking deeply into the sky, the part of our conversation where the chicken started laying her egg, you guys will hear it, came on. And it was just so synchronistic because the chicken's in the background laying her egg and she's going through it. The poor thing's goddamn howling. You know, what are chickens supposed to do? Like crow? What are they supposed to do? She was she was not doing the regular chicken noises. She was fucking going through it, laying that egg. And I know it sounds funny, but it's crazy because like I had this realization because it was during this part where Laura D is really going in on resilience and that chicken was fucking being resilient and and resilience is not an easy thing to cultivate and you don't build up resilience with intentions of using it for the easy times some parts of life aren't easy as a matter of fact some parts of life can feel like challenge after challenge after challenge and that's why becoming a resilient individual through whatever modalities tips tricks practices and the integration of those into your being is so important and uh that's something that you'll hear laura don get into and yeah i'm gonna go ahead and just let you guys hear the fire that laura don was spitting truly incredible but before i do i have a pretty exciting announcement and that is that while I am in the midst of acquiring all necessary certifications I am offering personalized meditation coordination programs yes so if that sounds interesting at all to you if it tickled your pickle if it fancied your pantsies if your soul was like yes please fucking finally something then please don't hesitate to reach out my instagram is lilwolfie.xo that's lil wolfie not wolfie with a y wolfie i'm gonna ju- just link it below uh but yeah you can contact me there i'll also leave my email below reach out if it sounds interesting to you uh one of the things that i felt for a while is medicine that i laura d it's so good to have you here thank you for entering the portal with me yeah, this is so nice to be joining you, Shannon. Thank you for inviting me. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. Um, could you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and um, and what your passions are and how those influence the work that you do? Yeah, definitely. Well, who I am, gosh, that's such a big question because I think I'm still on a journey of, you know, always figuring that out and and leaning into the mystery and the unfolding of of who I am. But in the the story I tell myself about who I am is that I've been leading transformational retreats for about 10 years now. Uh, I was born and raised by two entrepreneurs. And so I, I have a very parallel track between the entrepreneurial business reality alongside my work with psychedelics and sacred plant medicines. I like to joke that psychedelics hand raised me and and forged me into the woman that I am today. And so I've been exploring altered states of consciousness for about two decades now. I had my first high dose psilocybin experience when I was about 14, 15. And needless to say, that has really influenced my my perspective and my 
perception of life. Wow. And as we know, you know, so much of our, our, our early formative years are, of our upbringing and our childhood, you know, plays such a big role in the way that we perceive reality. And so I'm grateful to have two parents who, you know, were entrepreneurs before the entrepreneurial thing was cool. You know, mm-hmm. like I was like one of the only kids in class who people were like, what do your, what does your dad do? You know? And I was like, ah, uh, he's an entrepreneur. You know, I was like, people were <laughs> like, what is that? So, so, you know, I'm grateful that he, um, uh, my, my, father planted this seed to this belief in me that, uh, you, whatever you see in your mind, you can create in reality. And so I'm really grateful for that because he's always taught me that there's no limitations and that, you know, there's, there's, there's only opportunity. And so I would say that parallel track alongside the way that I, I, I've, um, explored altered states of consciousness with plant medicines, for so long has really played such an, a, a huge influential role in my life. And so, gosh, you know, this, this notion and this, this teaching, this body of teachings that, that I teach now around what it means to be a visionary. I have a, a, a framework that I call like a companion guide for uh, plant medicine change makers, and it's called the path of the creative visionary bodhisattva. Mm. And I'd be happy to talk a little bit more about that, but the visionary piece you know, I, I really feel like my, my father taught me so much about that. And same with plant medicines. Like it's no coincidence that the ayahuasca vine is called the visionary vine by many indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. And so I've really, really, you know, received a lot from plant teachers, from human teachers, and I've created a, a body of teachings that have helped me as an entrepreneur, as a creator, um, and as someone who really wants to be of service to the awakening of humanity. And, um, and now, you know, after running retreats for 10 years, I'm taking a little bit of a break with, with COVID. And so, um, I'm actually pursuing a master's degree. It's a graduate, it's a master's of science. And the, the program is called creativity studies and change leadership. And I'm really fascinated with, I mean, we know we're in this psychedelic renaissance. I'm so grateful that the cultural narrative around psychedelics is changing. And so you know, we live in this time where we face crisis on so many fronts. And I'm really curious around um, how psychedelics and sacred plant medicines can help us to think more creatively. So I'm actively uh, researching the intersection and the overlap between creative problem solving and microdosing and psych- and working with deeper dives with psychedelics and sacred plant medicines. And so it's exciting. I'm, I'm sort of regrouping and taking everything that I've learned from running retreats for 10 years. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, just up-leveling all my skill sets and uh, the retreats that I'm going to be launching after COVID kind of settles down a little bit is um, creating spaces for, for teams to come together, like corporate teams who are interested in working with sacred plant medicines to leverage those windows of heightened flexibility, heightened cognitive flexibility, and wow. to facilitate some, some advanced creative problem solving, um, sessions with teams. And so lots of team building, um, lots of, of practices around, uh, how to think more creatively. You know, these are just tools that that we were never taught in school. Um, so yeah, we could we could dive into that. You know, I mean, the creative thinking is now being called the number one most important skill set that we can learn to foster for the twenty first century. Yes. So yes. you know, but we're we're all products of like the industrial industrialized education system, right? That didn't teach us that it taught um, 
convergent thinking skills over divergent thinking skills. So it's interesting when you start looking at, you know, these reports from like the top 1500 CEOs around the world calling, you know, creative problem solving the most important skill set. And it's like, oh, gosh, most people don't even identify as being creative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I'm, I'm helping to shift the narrative around psychedelics. And I'm also helping to shift the narrative around creativity because I think um, we're also witnessing uh, a revolution in creativity as well. So I'm merging those two in the work that I'm doing. Wow. <laughs> that is fascinating. Um, and and what was that term that you coined earlier, creative bodhisattva? Yeah. So the path of the creative visionary bodhisattva is it's what I call sort of like a companion guide to uh, walking the plant medicine path. Mm. And so a bodhisattva comes from the Mahayana tradition of Buddhism. There's thousands of years that, you know, of, of wisdom that really is, is timeless wisdom. And, and I think it's needed now more than ever. And, you know, in very brief nutshell, because, you know, there's so many teachings that surround the path of the Bodhisattva in and of Mm -hmm. itself, but it's loosely translated as the way of the compassionate warrior. And so, of course, it's not, you know, warriors of violence, but it's warriors of peace. And it's being willing to dedicate our lives to waking up so that we can support the awakening of humanity and that we heal our own trauma and our own suffering so that we can help other people heal their suffering. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then the visionary piece, I'll go backwards from the creative visionary bodhisattva. And the, the visionary piece is, um, is someone who can, who knows that uh, our minds are incredibly powerful and who are willing to flex that muscle and learn the skill sets, the mindsets needed to think bigger, to literally expand the boundaries of what we believe is possible and to yeah. take mental leaps of faith to hold a vision that does not yet exist, you know, hold the vision of a more beautiful world our hearts know is possible, mm-hmm. as Charles Eisenstein would say, to think bigger than our current circumstances, to think, you know, hold the vision of a future based in equality that's based on the foundation of real sustainability. You know, that's what a visionary is. We have to take these mental leaps of faith. And then the creativity part is transmuting. It's the channel of how do we transmute that inner vision into reality? And when you think about it, you know, this is, I mean, this is why I weave a lot of different modalities into the teaching. So I don't just lead retreats. I also do online programs and weaving in microdosing into those programs. And we, I teach this framework and weaving science with mysticism, because when you think of it from a spiritual perspective or you know, a metaphysical perspective, everything that we see in this 3D reality emanated from source, from a place that we can't see, uh-huh. from an unseen dimension. And right. we know this now. It's like, what is the life force that allows a, a seed to grow? There is a force and that force moves through everything. And it also moves through us. And so the creativity part is really seeing that our bodies are a conduit, they're a channel for, for creating. And we can really actively engage on this path of the creative visionary bodhisattva, someone who holds a vision for a more harmonious chapter of, of humanity, of human history, 
And we learn to get creative and transmute that vision into reality. And we do it for the awakening of humanity. And that's mm. the Bodhisattva part. Mm. And so, you know, rewriting the narrative around creativity, we are creative by definition of being alive. Yes. You know, for those of you listening who are familiar with Brene Brown's work, she is an incredible researcher. She she researches um, vulnerability, shame, courage, and she also, I mean, she's collected like 400,000 pieces of data points and she found that about 80% of people had some kind of damaging, self-limiting belief that a teacher gave them that really negatively impacted impacted their life after school. So, you know, they they received some 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 a teacher said something to them that that, you know, really negatively impacted them for the rest of their lives oh and 50% of those 80% that was something around creativity. And that mm. was actually what happened to me. And so when I first heard I heard this conversation happen between Brené Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert. I love Elizabeth Gilbert as well. She's such an amazing writer, um, author of Eat, Pray, Love, and also uh, Big Magic or Real, Real, Real Magic. Oh, no, it's Big Big Magic. Yeah. I just watched Eat, Pray, Love for the first time the other night. Cried the whole time. It was so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard Brene talk about this in a conversation <laughs> with, with Elizabeth Gilbert, and I thought to myself, wow, that's my story. You know, and there's so many other people that have this story that – we're not creative because we couldn't draw, you know, and our beliefs create yeah. our reality. We, we know this to be true. Our beliefs totally influence the way that we perceive reality. So a big part of the work is like really reminding people that we are creative by definition of being alive. Like our lives are yes. an example of creativity. It is a fundamental aspect of what it means to be homo sapiens. And, and, and this is the era of reclaiming that, that birthright that we all have and stepping into this way of, of owning that. And that's really what em, em, embodied leadership, heart-centered leadership is all about. And I really believe that this is what the world is asking of us right now. Whew. Wow. <laughs> uh, beautifully said. And it kind of leads perfectly into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, I thought it would be nice if we could go into mindset next, because I feel like as awareness in the personal development field rises, it's easy for the word mindset to lose some of the weight that it carries. But mindset is literally, you know, it's everything. It's the window through which we perceive and peer into reality. Um, so, so what are some of the concepts that you embody when it comes to mindset? Okay, well, maybe we should kind of just start with, with understanding really what mindset is because think of mindset as like a mental lens that you can pick up and that will color the way that you perceive reality. Now, most people have a very fixed mm -hmm. mindset we don't realize that we have more fluidity and flexibility. And this is actually where I believe that sacred plant medicines and psychedelics can really support us and help us out because they help support that fluidity of mind. And so mindsets are this lens that dictate what information we take in and what information we don't take in and what information we use to make sense of and navigate the situations that we encounter. And so 
you know, just because we learn in narrative, this is so funny. There's a, there's a chicken laying an egg in the background. So you might, you might hear that, but um, (laughs) it's so cute. She's like really popping one out right now. Um, (laughs) You can can really hear. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess before, you know, I'm really big into, into stories and narratives and the stories that we weave are a really big, play a really big role in how we view this time of change. Huge, I think it's like huge. Even, yeah, and I think it's even just taking a moment to acknowledge that the, this is like such a incredible time of transition. So, you know, uh, before we just dive mm-hmm. right into mindset, you know, experts are calling this time on the planet um, the, a, a VUCA world. So for people who have not heard of this, V-U-C-A stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And now they're also calling ambiguity, the, the A, anxiety. Okay. So we, if you look at charts of certain things like technology, for example, it's what we see is exponential change. And exponential change is a kind of unique kind of change because it's where things stay the same on a graph for a really long time. And then all of a sudden the curve goes straight up. And so it's like technology mm. is doubling in power every six months now, and it's getting faster and faster and faster. I don't know many people who are like, wow, I'm a lot less busy than I've ever been before. You know, things are (laughs) really chill, you know, and now it's like new social media platforms coming out, like, like Clubhouse just came out, you know, and like now I'm on Clubhouse all the time. And, you know, it's just like, we have to get really good at fostering a lot of mental, emotional and physical resilience. And the way that I I kind of frame this, this time of change is that it's like humanity. Imagine that like that we are sort of in the gap between two worlds. So imagine like two large canyons with a really vast valley bottom floor. And at one point humanity was kind of collectively on the edge, looking over into the great unknown, but we were kind of past that point. It was almost like the earth started shaking under our feet. And so we were like catapulted down a very narrow pathway. And now we're like, hitting rock bottom, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. some people will spend their entire lives trying to scramble back up that mountain. We just came down trying to, you know, reestablish those old ways, but it's futile. And I think the rest of us know that the only way out is through. And what we find ourselves in is this gap between two worlds. And this is our training ground. This is the training ground for warriors of the heart. And you know what, there are, there's another, there's another mountain, but it's way off in the distance. And Mm -hmm. so this is the time for heart centered leadership and the path of the Bodhisattva is strengthening our resilience so that I can say, Hey, you know what? I'm strong enough. I'm going to reach out a hand and help that person who's having a really hard time making it through right now. You know, we're the bridge. So this path of, yes. the, of the heart-centered leadership is it's the bridge. We are helping people cross over this tumultuous time of change. But because mm-hmm. of global weirding, you know, there's like tidal waves coming through the valley and there is extreme weather conditions and volatile conditions. And so the way that I frame it is that this training ground, this gap between two worlds, we need to equip ourselves with the skill sets, the mindsets mm-hmm. and the heart sets to make it through so that we can establish a more harmonious chapter of, of humanity's history. And so one of those is mindsets is the way that we 
fundamentally perceive reality, moving from, you know, the story of separation towards the story of connection. And so yeah. the way that we look at, at the world needs to fundamentally change. But I would say that it's not just about mindsets. It's also about linking that to our heart sets, that we come from a place of compassion, mm -hmm. you know, that we come from a place of being willing to forgive so that we can move forward. You know, so it's, I, I wanted to set that context and set that stage because I think, you know, it, this is, this is not like, you know, how to, how to embody a success mindset, mindset in right. five easy steps. Like this is not that era anymore. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I still see it, people being like, it, and it's fine. And it's great that, you know, we do want to embody like success mindsets and all of that. And I'm just saying it's bigger than that, you know, when it's yeah. like, how to have an abundance mindset, you know, in, in three steps. It's like, no, we have some deep, hardcore work to do mm -hmm. here. And it's yes, like the shadow work must be done. Core. Yeah, yeah, it's really deep. And so, you know, I think when we, when we just acknowledge that place that, of, of like a real fundamental shift that has to happen here, then we can really start talking about mindsets. But it's almost like what we need to start doing first is like really getting in touch with the heart sets and then allowing the mindsets to emerge from there. So, you yeah. know, for example, a, a really powerful leadership mindset is, and I talked about this in the last solo episode of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, episode number 15, is mm -hmm. even just learning to cultivate the mindset of curiosity. So the mindset of curiosity is an incredibly powerful leadership mindset, but it's also a mindset that lends itself to creativity, you know? And if, if everyone, and, and it's like so easy to discount the, the, this like, oh, you know, well, I, I have a curious mindset, but if everyone really embodied curiosity, we wouldn't witness the separation and the polarization and the division that we see yeah. today. So when I talk about mindsets, I'm really talking about like, what are the mindsets that help us build bridges? Like curiosity is a mindset that literally builds bridges, bridges amongst the rifts that keep us divided. So that's mm. in alignment with a heart, a, a, a different kind of heart set, you know, coming back to this place yes. of like, how do we bring healing to humanity? And that's, that's no easy task, but if we start to lean into mindsets like curiosity, then it is a pathway towards healing. It's a yeah. way that we can reach out and, you know, reach a hand out in the other direction. And we can do that by asking questions. You know, when we're having mm -hmm. conversations with people that we're feeling triggered or, you know, like that we're just in such a divided time, it's the left and the right, you know, this side mm -hmm. and that side. And there's just so many like barriers and walls between people. And so even just starting to ask questions, questions are such a powerful tool for cultivating a curiosity mindset. Yes, now, they are. What brought you to that conclusion? Just by asking something like that, what brought you to this conclusion? I'd love to know more <laughs> about your perspective on this. Yes. You know, tell me more about how you arrived at this, at this belief system, you know, like, I mean, it's really simple and yet, we don't reach for these tools. Yeah, because everybody's so so, so set on uh, defending their their version of being right. Exactly, exactly. And there's so much that that is in the teachings of the Bodhisattva teachings that really help us. You know, my primary teacher Pema Chodron. I've been 
studying her work for about 15 years now. And she's so incredible, you know, and these teachings have really mm. saved me in my life from just being in some really dark places. And one of the things yeah. that she, she talks about is this, um, this teaching of, it's called Shempa, S-H-E-N-P-A. And it's this teaching around becoming Shempa. more aware of the way that we trigger, we get triggered and that that creates like a somatic visceral contraction. And in that contraction, we create separation. And it, essentially what we're doing is we're just contracting around core woundings that we have and where we are needing to feel like we need to defend them. And so these teachings help us become more yes. aware of wow. like what that sore spot is. And her teacher, Chogim Trumper Rinpoche, he talks about that, that it's like, it's like we have this open wound and it's, it's what, it's what we call like the soft spot you know? And so we don't want anyone to like aggravate the soft spot. And so we build a wall around it mm -hmm. and we fortify that wall with judgment and with criticism and perfectionism and all of these things that keep us separate. But the path mm -hmm. is learning how to tear down those walls. And mindset is such an important aspect of that, you know? And it's so interesting. The parallel is that, you know, Pema says this, that the spiritual path is going from, is moving from a narrow view of reality to a wide open view mm -hmm. of reality. And that's what the definition of enlightenment is. If yes. we can stand in the face of someone else, whether they're angry or suffering or in pain, and we don't contract in the, in, and contract around and centralize around story of self, you know, someone says something and it touches mm -hmm. that wound and immediately it's this contraction of like, I'm not good enough. Did I do that wrong? You know, I'm bad. And it's like this feeling and yeah. it's like this like subtle levels of self-harm that come into these places in, in every moment, like so many moments of our day, I won't say every moment, but it's this way that the ego wants to defend itself. And the ego has this way of mm -hmm. creating separation. So this notion of heart-centered leadership, it's its easier said than done, you know, that walking the path, you know, for people who are listening, who work with plant medicines, you know, that it's like training in the middle of the fire sometimes. But mm -hmm. I do believe that these psychedelic experiences and plant medicine experiences are offering us this very advanced training ground for us to be able to strengthen and cultivate resilience. And we go through those dark nights of the soul and we come out the other side. And then mm -hmm. we, when we come out, we're stronger yes. than before. We're more resilient than before. And then we don't just do that to become yes. healthy. We take that resilience and we lend out a hand to the person who you see who's now getting worked by their reality. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, that, and, this wow. is, and this is the path. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. Oh my God, you touched on so many things. Um, what comes to mind when I think of these these journeys that we go on with um, with plant medicine and psychedelics, I think of almost like um like a vision of somebody going in, going into the abyss, uh, brave, and coming out with with something that they didn't have before with like a satchel or a backpack, however you want to envision it, but coming out with that. And in that satchel is the medicine, um, 
that they will go on, that we will go on to integrate into our lives and into the lives of those around us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I think that that's really actually pointing to something that I would love to touch on. You know, as someone who I I now very much so consider myself to be a creative, I've written. I have two published books. I have launched mm-hmm. successful companies, successful online brands. I built my first online brand to a million and a half people on Facebook, sold that, built a volcanic hot spring retreat center from scratch, like literally with my bare hands. And, and especially in that project, wow. really became uh, very attached to that, to that, um, that home, that place that we built. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'd be happy to, to just briefly share this story to sort of get to the, the, oh, yes, please. the point of it. But after years of spending so much energy and like blood, sweat and tears, like building this place, because I had a vision in an ayahuasca ceremony that I was going to build a place for transformational healing. And then miracles started to unfold and happen. And you know, I had no money at the time. I was with my ex-partner and we put everything together that we had to buy a piece of raw land, 10 acres, you know, and we Mm -hmm. didn't have enough money to start building. So we pulled our VW van onto the land that doesn't even run anymore. And, you know, we lived in that for a year and a half with no power, no running water, like nowhere to even sit up, you know, just like really hardcore, no internet connection. And we worked really hard to start working on that land. And then I, it was like a sink or swim moment. And I was in another ceremony and I prayed for a miracle to happen. And then that week, that, that next week, and, and in that ceremony, what actually really was so powerful about that was that I, it was like, I had this experience of like witnessing this channel of energy, this flow of energy into my life and there was this like physical block and I reached out and like moved this chunk that was like blocking this channel and then the next morning (laughs) yeah it was so wild and then the next morning I I mean I had built uh I had built this online brand that was all focused on spreading positivity and we built it to like a million and a half people on Facebook and didn't really, wasn't really doing anything with it. And then the next morning, you know, I woke up and I got a message from someone saying, Hey, we'd love to buy this from you. And then within seven days I had six figures in my bank account and we, Whoa. <laughs> I know it was wild. And then five years later, uh, I had, I was starting to go really deep with the medicine and mm-hmm. I had this feeling like things were changing. I had built a wellness brand after I worked on the positivity brand. I was, um, you know, I went, I had gone back to school as a holistic nutritionist doing a lot of wellness retreats with people and doing the work with medicine, uh, like more underground. And, um, and just to be clear, I don't serve medicine, uh, just mm-hmm. also to be clear on legalities and all of these things. Right. Just, just clearly stating that I don't, I don't pour medicine. Um, I do work with Banisteriopsis cappy, which is legal, which we could talk about that after. But um, in terms of the ayahuasca brew, uh, I've always collaborated with other people who pour medicine. And um, 
And yeah, you know, about five years later, so I started getting some really clear messages from the medicine saying, you know, things were going to change. And I was wanting to come out of the psychedelic closet and uh, I was feeling that. And then I, I knew that Michael Pollan was coming out with his book on how to change your mind. And the moment I heard that Michael Pollan was coming out with his book, I knew that it was time that things were changing culturally. And at this point, you know, I'd been working with plant medicines myself, exploring altered states of consciousness for, gosh, two decades. So it was like, you know, such a big, it was such a big part of my life that I'd been really yeah. wanting to, um, you know, share with people because it had helped me enormously overcome depression and addiction and mm -hmm. like really wanting to just share the joy that it's brought into my life. And so I was feeling like I was at this, this crossroads and the medicine was like starting to, to train me, to train me in my own way for stepping out in this way. And wow. then I had a really powerful journey. And that night, something really profound happened. And I had an experience of, of really surrendering. And it felt like the first time in my life that I really understood what it meant to surrender. And it was like, I was sitting at Spirit's altar and I said, I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever needs to happen for me to more deeply align with my heart path. Mm -hmm. And it felt like such a, such a fundamental shift in my being. And that night I was sitting in meditation and I picked up my guitar and the medicine gave me a full song all in one fail swoop. And I picked up the guitar and I played it. It's called Trust in the Great Unknown. And then wow. the next morning I woke up to earthquakes and that whole week we experienced thousands of earthquakes, including oh a 6.8 that decimated our home. Um, <gasps> That's when the uh, roads cracked open in a subdivision just above our land and lava started flowing. And so after years of building this place for two weeks with gas masks and uh, gosh, it was it was just a nightmare. We spent oh my two weeks goodness. pulling that place apart and evacuating everything that we could, getting out as much as we could. And the only thing going through my head that entire time was four lines from the song that had come through the medicine called Trust in the Great Unknown. <laughs> and it was, the, it was like the pinhole, the pinhole of light that allowed me to move through, you know, it catapulted me into this year long dark night of the soul. It was the cocoon of metamorphosis, but it's through that, that place that I really came together and I went deep with the medicine and she taught me this very extensive curriculum that is what I teach now. And, and it was the change that needed to happen. And so after a year of taking a break from running retreats, cause we had just, uh, been in this phase. And so, you know, just to complete that story, while lava was flowing from um, less than a mile from our land, someone made us an offer to buy it. And I didn't even get into the whole part where we tapped into a volcanic hot spring into the land. So there's water that flows like 111 degrees on that land. And, and so it's a very special place where so many people have come oh through to experience gosh. profound levels of healing. And wow. letting go of that was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Letting go and letting, we made the decision to sell it because we had gone through a huge, huge trauma and selling that land felt like literally cutting off a piece of my arm and giving it to somebody. It was, mm, I can only imagine. Painful. Yeah. So we took a year and during that year I was in like deep fucking mindset training, deep emotional yeah. resilience, physical resilience mental resilience training. And then I stepped out and I held a vision that whole year for 
the kind of retreat that I wanted to do next. And when I stepped out and launched the retreat, it was by far the most successful retreat of my career. I had 40 people over 11 days, three plant medicine ceremonies, and a really extensive uh, curriculum that I taught um, for, and we did that in a legal jurisdiction in Costa Rica. Wow. And had amazing people, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs and pro athletes and it was an incredibly transformational experience and I built a team around that. And it was um, the first time I, I really taught that framework and I've been, you know, of course, still developing it and working on it. And it was right after that retreat that COVID hit, um, which wow. put me in this path of going back to school. But the moral really, really, this is a full circle circum circumference. But the moral <laughs> of that story is that this isn't about, it's not about the thing. You know, and I think that this is so important for people to get right now. It's not about the book okay. that you write. It's not about like the business that you build or the retreat center that you build. It's about who you become along the way. And that this, these, the process of holding a vision that expands the boundary of what you believe is possible, then shapes you. You have, if you're holding a vision that really is next level, you know, like that retreat for me was like a huge leap in terms of the mm -hmm. way that I was running retreats. It was a big step up. So then I literally had to train my entire being, my body, my mind, my spirit, my heart, my nervous system. Mm -hmm. I had to train myself to be the person that could step out and own that vision. And that's, this is the path. This is the path of mastery. It's the path of, of really doing what it takes to be able to transmute our visions into reality. And <laughs> It's not about the thing. It's not about the yes. That's a nice byproduct. Yay, we get to celebrate. I got to have like a beautiful time with these amazing human beings. And it was so transformational that we're, you know, still many of us are so connected still a year and a half later. Um, but the, what it really was, was it who it made me. And the same with building the retreat center. You know, it that was the, what... That moral of that story is such a gem that I would go through the whole thing all over again just to really get that gem again. That oh my goodness. Day, what we create, the physical manifestation of what we create is just a byproduct. The real, the real gift is who we become along the way, the way that our visions shape us into the humans of, of, of who we're becoming. You know, the human beings who are able to to live on a planet more harmoniously, more sustainably, holding a vision mm -hmm. for a more beautiful world, our hearts know is possible, and then becoming the people who can anchor that vision. That's the work, and that's also the gift. Oh my goodness. Laura Dodd, my eyes are wide right now. My my goosebumps are on edge. My heart's beating so fast, and it's because it, it's for a lot of reasons. The story you just told was incredible, honestly. Um, just mind-blowing, but there's just so many levels to it. Um, one of them being like, I, I don't know what, what it was. I mean, I found out about you on Clubhouse. Um, and as soon as I got on your Instagram, I was like, something just told me we needed to do a podcast together. I don't know what it was. I followed my gut. I reached out. I'm so glad that I did. But it's just insane um, that you just just shared this powerful transmission because one of the things, like one of my biggest goals is to, you know, 
carry out, plan a retreat, um, a healing retreat. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and I'm not like, I'm not one to really step into, you know, I public speaking really isn't my thing. And, <laughs> and just the whole leadership role, I feel called to it. But, um, but, you know, it's scary. And so that's something that I've been going back and forth with a lot lately. But also the whole other layer to it is like, and I told a couple of close friends this, I have, I have these really intense dreams. Um, and, and I'm sure you've like experienced the type of dream that you wake up from and it's so vivid that you remember it clearly, but also it just really feels like, like maybe your soul was there in some other, in some other quantum reality. And this dream that I had mm-hmm. just a couple of nights ago was um, I had like surfed out or I was on a boat with a bunch of friends and family and we were in Hawaii <laughs> and we all had our surfboards and got got out there on the ocean with our surfboards and we're looking at this volcano and it's like it starts to ooze and it starts to spew and we're like is that normal <laughs> and everybody's like no the natives are like no that's not normal it's it hasn't been active for many many years and then like all these horns do you remember start- what island you were on in your dream no, I have no idea. I've never like I've never been to Hawaii. You know, I've always just wanted to go, but I was just like I was like, "Oh my god, this is nuts." And and like all the news outlets were going off and and everybody's like, "You guys are going to have to get back to the big islands in order to get off the island because this is going to be like a disaster and we we're going to have to surf back." And that was the part that was the scariest cuz surfing is also something that I feel really called to learn how to do but it was like the waves were going to be huge because of because of the 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 tectonic shifts or platonic shifts and it was just a really vivid dream but your story just kind of reminded me of it and it's all just coming full circle and it just feels so it feels so synchronistic beautiful yeah i also spent like almost 7 years of my life surfing so wow i, I really I feel so connected to that path as well. Oh, that's beautiful. It's so crazy. My last name is Ocean, you know, but I can just barely swim. And I just I just feel so called to it to learn how to swim. And I bought my first deck the other day. Um, and it's not really a tarot deck. It's it's this deck of archetypes. And um, yeah, and the hmm. story that she's telling in the beginning is how she had to conquer her fear of the ocean and learn how to surf, which yeah. blew my mind. I was like, all right, universe, <laughs> you have spoken. <laughs> hey. uh, where are you right now? Where are you based on? I'm in Estero, Florida. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, if you want some good recommendations on surf spots, I got some for you. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Um well, I guess we'll just go ahead and dive into um, the next question I had. I was wondering if you'd be able to speak on the benefits of microdosing. I don't know much about it at all. Um, I've always just kind of gone off the deep end and gone <laughs> full force with psychedelics, but I'm always hearing about the benefits of microdosing. Yeah, well, there are a lot of benefits. Um, And also, I think before we get into benefits, I think it's good to just acknowledge that there are risks and microdosing isn't for 
everyone Mm -hmm. and everyone needs to take radical responsibility when we start talking about, you know, experimenting with hallucinogenic entheogens and understanding that, you know, we are responsible for what we physically take and put in our own mouth. So I'm not uh, advocating for anyone to take anything. Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs to really listen to their own intuition and do your research And um, if a good place to start, if you're new to microdosing, I have a free eight-day microdosing course on my website that covers a lot of the basic questions. Hmm. Um, And it's interesting. So right now, the conversation, I don't know if you've been tuning in, but someone uh, like a... Uh, journal just released a uh, an article on microdose pointing that microdosing might be a placebo effect. So, you know, I consider microdosing to be just one thing that we leverage, one tool amongst a, a wide range of options. You know, it's like mm-hmm. one thing that we can leverage, but within a holistic framework, then it adds up. You know, if, if microdosing is going to be the incentive to inspire you to meditate, then, you know, then that, that's a really good thing. Um, yes. There are a lot of benefits. Um, there's a, a, a researcher, Thomas Anderson, he came out with a paper that um, distinguishes microdosing benefits from microdosing challenges. And what was really interesting to note is like of the challenges, the largest challenge, like 30% of people said the challenge was uh, f- like fear of legal repercussions. So the fact that psychedelics are illegal was oh, definitely a really God. big piece of that, um, which, you know, remove that. And then it's hard to say, you know, what, um, like how the, the distribution of benefits and challenges would shift, but a lot of people, you know, so I I mean, like I could talk about the research or I could talk about my own benefits, but like in the research of like the, what, um, microdosing researchers like Thomas Anderson have found is that just over a quarter, about 26% of people report an improved, uh, improved mood, you know, about 13% of people notice improvements in their creativity, um, increased Mm -hmm. energy, increased focus, reduced anxiety, um, cognitive benefits, physiological benefits, um, social benefits. Uh, There are some people, like if you are already predisposed towards anxiety, then Mm -hmm. it's very possible that, um, you know, that, that it could trigger more anxiety for you. So anxiety is one of the ones that has a bit of a double-edged sword. That's why it's really important that, you know, as we know with the research now with larger deep dives with psychedelics and sacred plant medicines set and setting is a huge, Mm -hmm. plays a huge role. You know, our set refers to mindset. And so the attitudes and beliefs that we choose to show up with in, you know, before going into a, a psychedelic journey and the setting is the environment. And so, you know, we know that psychedelics are, are um, nonspecific amplifiers. So they, they really tend to enhance and amplify uh, our environment. So that's why we take a lot of care with, with what, where we're surrounding ourselves with, mm-hmm. within. But not just for larger deep dives. Of course, it applies to microdosing too. And then I go so far as to say that set and setting plays a huge important role in our just day-to-day reality that our, our environments are like the scaffolding for which we can, you know, create a launch pad for inspired creation. If I'm living in a mess all the time, it's not really a great environment for creating my best work. So, you know, of course it's just one tool amongst many, um, meditation, movement. These are other, other tools that we can draw upon, you know, cognitive tools. There's a lot 
that we could talk about here. You know, so when I talk about microdosing, I'm not just we have to remember that like in the culture that we live within, that this is not this is not just like a replace the antidepressant with psilocybin microdose cap. You know, <laughs> right. this is, it needs to be held in a different way. So I'm mm-hmm. not just encouraging people to microdose and then go to work and have a meeting with their boss, you know, and especially don't do that if you're uh, more prone towards anxiety. Right. That, that could be much more inducing of, of and triggering of anxiety compared to, you know, microdosing in the mm-hmm. comfort of your own home. In mm-hmm. uh, in a space where you bring more intentionality, you're bring, bringing more of a container, you know, where you build an altar space and you're mm-hmm. bringing your intentions to your altar before ingesting your microdose, you know, using it as a catalyst for um, leaning into a little bit more of the sacred pause in our lives. And that's hard to do, you know, and I even am the first person to admit that, you know, life is really full these days. Mm-hmm. And of course, things ebb and flow, but... Um, a lot of the people that I work with, you know, our, our medicine is learning to slow down right now, especially for yeah. me in this very, very moment where things are especially full. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of benefits, you know, that we could be talking about. But those ones that I mentioned are really the the what's coming out of the the actual literature, the research. And, yeah. and research around microdosing is is very just just scratching the surface. We have so much research that needs to be done. And what's exciting is that um, there's starting to be more research around um, um, ayahuasca and uh, creative problem solving, creative thinking. There was another mm-hmm. uh, study that came out of the Netherlands that was around truffles and creativity. And so there are like oh, wow. some standardized creativity tests that we could use and just starting to scratch the surface though. These are, these are definitely early days in terms of, you know, we've the ban on, on psychedelic research really just got lifted, like not even a decade ago after, you know, Nixon's era war on drugs and all the problems that really came with that. But it's like, you know, now we're witnessing the decriminalized movement is moving so fast right now. Oh, it's beautiful. We're in exponentially. Right. Even with psychedelics, we're in that gap between two worlds right now. Mm, Beautifully said. It's really true. Um, We're so lucky to have these tools. I was even listening to a podcast earlier where they were talking about how, (laughs) how like it was like not too long after um, the United States sent out the atomic bomb um, that Albert Hoffman was in his lab and he just decided Mm -hmm. to like pick up this, this, these chemicals again, that didn't work for headaches, which is what his original intention, um, for them were for. And then, you know, he put together LSD, he came across it, um, accidentally. And it's almost as if the universe was like, oh man. Yeah, well, he he had he actually had discovered it years ago, and then it sat on his shelf for many years, and then he had this intuitive insight to circle back around and relook at it. You know, mm. so that that was that's it's such an interesting story. It really is. It's like the universe was like, "Oh man, they figured out bombs. Let's give him some leverage for that." <laughs> Um, (laughs) right. Right. But it's, it's so beautiful. Everything you said, because like in a world where everybody's like, give me a pill to make me feel better. Give me a pill to make me feel less anxious, less depressed. Um, and, and psychedelics aren't like that. 
they may take you to a beautiful space um, within yourself, you know, or around you. And, and they may, they may in turn, like, take you somewhere, take you face to face with your demons, with all those super hard feelings. Um, but no matter what the experience is, integration is so much more important. Integration is, oh, is yeah. yeah, it's really the, um, the height of it all. So, um, I know integration we're... is the new ceremony. Yes. <laughs> you got to put really, that well, on the and mug. Microdosing can be a powerful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's on my, it's on my Instagram girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, and microdosing can be, if you hold it within an intentional container, then microdosing absolutely can be also a powerful tool for integrating deeper dive experiences. Hmm. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. I actually just learned a lot about um, integration. I didn't even know what that word meant. Um, so it's all very new to me. And I did a podcast with um, Anthony David Adams the other day. Um, and he had a lot of beautiful things to say about integration, almost that it's, it's more important than, or I don't, mm. I shouldn't use the word important. Um, but its effects are more profound than the effects of the medicine itself. Of course, it's all tied mm-hmm. into one another. Um, but yeah, so I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could speak a bit on the importance of integration. I know we're running out of time. Um, but yeah, the mm-hmm. importance of integration and maybe share a few of your favorite integration tips and tools. Right. Well, one thing I'll say is like, it's kind of amazing that even two years ago, you know, no one was talking about integration. And now you hear plant medicine integration is becoming part of our cultural narrative and vernacular. And that's, that's incredible, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're really starting to understand the importance of integrating these experiences. And it's, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about in terms of, you know, parts work, shadow work, being able to, um, to, to integrate what we see in those, in those journeys into um, deeper levels of self-acceptance and self-awareness. And, you know, basic, basic things are like, you know, giving yourself space to not jump right back into a like deep dive into routine. If you mm-hmm. want, you know, psychedelics are pattern disruptors and that's what makes them so effective as a treatment for depression and PTSD and anxiety, because that's just the, the way that the mind works is, is especially in depression. It's like ruminative thinking, but the same underlying neural mechanisms that support them as effective aids for depression and anxiety and PTSD and addiction is also what helps them be a successful pattern interrupters for like cognitive flexibility for creative thinking and creative mm-hmm. problem solving. And so, you know, to be able to reach a new thought or think outside the box. And so, you know, a lot of the integration work that I do is integration for entrepreneurs. So of course it's a little bit of a, of a different lens that we're looking at, but what also just to speak more generally is like really creating space. Like if you're going to go through the journey of sitting with, with medicine and, you know, it's, we really need to take responsibility for that because it's not like there's just like huge amounts of abundance of all of these plant medicines that are, that are 
hugely, hugely in demand right now. So it's like, mm-hmm. I really just am, am, invite everyone who's listening that like, if you are going to go sit in ceremony, that like you have enough respect for yourself and these plants and this medicine and the people carrying this, this medicine and the people making this medicine to do yourself a favor and take, take time to pause, take time yes. to rest. You know, mm-hmm. Give yourself time to allow the dust to settle. Don't make any big decisions at that time, especially this is like big advice for, you know, the entrepreneurial minded who are working with plant medicines is, you know, we receive a lot of visions in from these medicines. You know, the ayahuasca is called the visionary vine. Of course, yeah. I sit with this, this medicine dialogue of like, you know, this conversation, the, this, what I consider to be a conversation with the medicine where it's like, sometimes you're putting out visions and sometimes you're receiving visions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes we have these experiences of, of getting all of these like downloads and ideas and still just pause, give yourself time to let the dust settle before making any big, big, big changes, big drastic moves. And ideally, you know, sleep, get, get all up in sleep hygiene. This is something that I'm also really focusing on improving in my life too, right now. Yeah. That all of all the changes that we want to see sleep is such a big part of supporting those changes, whether that's flexibility, improve emotional well-being, you know, emotional resilience, all of these things are so essentially supported by sleep eat well take care of your vessel you know take time to Mm -hmm. slow down and to meditate and to listen to to music and move your body and move your spine and you know all of these things get outside go for a walk um tune into like literature and books that are inspiring you know yeah turn off the all the different modalities what you're paying attention to yeah Mm -hmm. yeah really pay attention to what you're paying attention to, I think is some of the best integration advice is like, what are you exposing your mind to, you know, and start becoming a lot more selective and a lot more conscious and aware of what you are exposing your mind to, especially, you know, after those, those mind altering experiences, you know? Mm. And I mean, there's so many tips, you know, journaling is, is a really effective tip. Um, sometimes, you know, you can like associate a smell to a journey, like, uh, I don't want to encourage people to buy Palo Santos anymore because like that plant is now going extinct because the poor thing, I, I know humans have a, a way of, yeah, just like, you know, demolishing the things that we love. It's just so sad. Um, but other scents, you know, like, like cedar and, um, and, uh, sometimes like, you know, rose, rose spray and, and, um, certain essences, and, yes. you know, associate that to from ceremony and like bring that into your your morning ritual practice, cultivate a morning ritual practice. Yes. You know? And these are all great suggestions. Um, mm. Spend more time in gratitude practices. You know, I think another another I think a good framework is like looking at so many people who it's like and I get it, you know, from the Western culture, it's like we show up at the altar and we're like really asking these plant medicines to like heal us. What can you give me? What can I take from you? And like another reframe around that is like, okay, how can I show up and serve? You know, who can I dedicate my practice to my, this ceremony to, if you're showing Mm -hmm. up because you're struggling with depression, create a dedication practice where you're really, you know, or like what we call an aspiration practice. And include other people in that that are also suffering from depression. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're really going through a, a challenging time in life, you know, then before you sit in the med- with the medicine, 
create a practice where you're saying, you know, hey, may all the people who are also feeling what I'm feeling right now feel a little bit of relief from this kind of pain and this kind of suffering. And yes. this is, that's the bodhisattva part, you know, and then we can bring that into our integration practice as well. You know, I find that the, the teachings of the bodhisattva are like incredibly powerful integration roadmap. They're incredibly powerful psychedelic roadmap for the psychedelic landscape itself. Same with, mm-hmm. you know, the framework of, of, of like the entirety of quantum mechanics is also another really powerful roadmap, <laughs> but it's also a powerful integration roadmap. And we can learn to, you know, and now people are combining all sorts of different modalities like, you know, NLP and uh, somatic therapy, and, mm-hmm. you know, get some body work <laughs> after your, your session, like take time to, to nourish your vessel. Yes. Oh, I love it so much. Um, what's coming to mind from everything you said is don't just aim to take the medicine, aim to be the medicine, aim to alchemize yourself, mm-hmm. your being into the medicine for the good of all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time. I've learned so much <laughs> just in this just in this hour alone. Oh, my goodness. You're so welcome. It's been a pleasure. It really has been. Um, Thanks so much for having me on. uh, Mm -hmm. Thank you for entering the portal. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yeah, sure. My home base, as I call it, is livefreelauraD.com. I have this psychedelic leadership podcast. Everything that I'm working on is at livefreelauraD.com. Instagram at livefreelauraD. If you're on Clubhouse, hit me up there at livefreelauraD. And um, yeah, there's the, I have some free psychedelic playlists for journeys and also for microdosing morning routines. I have a free eight day microdosing course on my website and I have a three month microdosing mastermind program coming up that is an in-depth deep dive at all of these topics and looking at, you know, how we can create a conscious, mindful microdosing practice within a larger framework. And I'm mostly working with entrepreneurs and Um, business and thought leaders. So if that resonates with you, then check that out on my website as well. Mm, So beautiful and powerful. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you.